0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to talk to you uh, from the subject, A Tale of Two Sons. A Tale of Two Sons. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis where we have been for the past few weeks. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read the story of Cain and Abel. The Bible says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, a shepherd. And Cain, his brother... A worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain, who was the firstborn of Adam and Eve, brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. One more verse. Let's go to the book of Ezra, chapter 2, verse 68. Some of the heads of families, when they came to the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem, Made free will offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. Here they are coming back from Babylonian captivity. And what is the very first thing they do when they reach Jerusalem? They take a free will offering to rebuild the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray as I speak, will you speak, God, to your people, to those that are part of your family, God, that together as one community, God, we might lift you up. Glorify you, God, and build your church. So God, be honored through this word. Be honored through your church. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Today I want to talk to you about choosing to honor God with an offering that he is worthy of. Choosing to honor God with your lifestyle. Choosing to honor God with your actions. Choosing to honor God with your wealth. And my hope is that by the end of this sermon, our community will be moved to a place to bless God and bless God's house that it may overflow to our homes. I pray that we as a church rise up in this moment in victory. I believe it's a mighty moment, 30 plus years in the making for this church. And and today I want to examine what makes an offering acceptable to God. The Bible says that he had regard for Abel's offering. That that he favored it. That he looked kindly upon it. That that God accepted Abel's offering. Meanwhile, he had no regard for Cain's offering. Similar circumstances. They both brought an offering and yet one was accepted and one was not. And So what makes an offering worthy of God's regard? Let's begin in the beginning of the story. The Bible says that uh, it came... In the course of time that Cain and Abel both brought offerings from who they were and what they did and what they produced. They brought an offering to God. It, It came, notice this, in the course of time. Hear me, there are seasons for sacrifice. There are seasons in time, moments in time, where God's people feel in their heart. They know in their spirit that this is a moment for offering. This is a time to give. This is a season not to harvest, but to sow, to plant, to prepare for what comes next. In the course of time, hear me, there comes a time where it's time to act, where it's time to move forward, where it's time to to dream again, have vision again, push and persevere forward. There's a time. That comes where it's time to act. You know, my wife is pregnant with our third child, a little girl. And, and in the previous two pregnancies, I remember the moment around about nine months where she would look at me and she says, Jordan, it is time. She's over pregnant. It is time. And I remember when the exact moment came and we were out to eat and my son was ready to be born. and We're having dinner and she looks up. She goes, we got to go. I said, why? She said, it's time. There comes a moment in time where all of life is ready to move on. All of life is ready to move forward. I mean, you see this even with people when they've been engaged for too long. Pretty soon everyone goes up to the guy and starts saying, bro, are you gonna are you gonna pop the question? Are you gonna are you gonna make this thing happen? Are you gonna get engaged? Are you gonna get married? And 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 it's always like it's always this phrase, because it's time. You know, the girl's ready to move on, the girl's mom's ready to plan a wedding. The the guys are saying, let's get moving. Come on, it's time. Why? Because there's a natural rhythm, a natural order of things where if you take too long, you begin to fight against the season. God made seasons to show us a spiritual truth. Not only is there physical seasons, there's spiritual seasons. And so in the course of time, both Cain and Abel knew, you know what? This is a moment. This is a time to bring an offering to God, I want to ask you, can you sense what season it is in your life? Can you sense what season it is for the church? Sometimes it's difficult to sense what season it is for a nation or for an organization you're a part of. But as a pastor, one of the things I always want continually ask is, God, what are you saying for your people? What are you saying for the church? What are you saying for this church? Do you sense what season it is for awakening church? I would ask you, is it a season of sowing or is it a season of harvest? For the greater church, is it a season of sowing, planting, or harvest? Solomon, in all of his wisdom, tells us this. In Ecclesiastes, he says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. What time is it? What season is it right now for this church? What time is it right now for the people of this church? What action comes next? This winter, we, uh, we had a pretty bad snowstorm, and the snow plows came through, and I live at the end of a road in a little circle, and uh, the snow plow didn't know, uh, apparently too much snow on the ground. He didn't know how much uh, grass I had that jutted out into the circle, so, so the, the, the town plow just essentially plowed my lawn, just plowed my whole lawn up. It wasn't a great lawn to begin with. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't fantastic. My neighbor has a great lawn. I'm working on it, you know. So maybe the plow did me a favor, but he took out my whole front lawn. And it looked terrible. There was mud and dirt everywhere and bumps and tire tracks. And this is what I had to walk out every day to see. But no matter how wrong it was and no matter how frustrating it was, there's nothing I could do about it because it wasn't time. The ground is frozen. So we called the town and we said, hey, can you help us out? And they said, absolutely. We'll send some people. They'll plant some new grass. They'll be there in four months. And we just had to wait because the season was not ready for the sowing. What season is it for our church? I would declare to you today that I believe now is the season to sow. I believe right now is the time For action. It is the time for us to prepare to give. I don't know if we're in the harvest season yet. I don't know if we're out of the woods yet. But I know right now, if we could dig just a little bit deeper. And you might say, Jordan, I've been digging all year. But if you could dig just a little bit deeper. If you could sow just a little bit more. If we could sacrifice in this moment. I believe God will see it. I believe God will regard it. I believe it will be holy and worthy. And I can just sense it. After 30 years, we're ready to take this next step to move the church and its community into a place of freedom. And I pray your home goes with us in that step. I believe now is the season for sacrifice. This is our moment. I was recently out to eat with some older pastors, pastors that are um, part of the oversight of this church. And my wife and I, Went to dinner with them and for three hours, they told us story after story after story of God's faithfulness. They told us how they launched their church and the different sacrifices they had to make along the way. The different miracles that were needed just to see that church thrive and grow. And the amount of times God showed up. At the end of the the discussion, we left inspired. And I remember I said out loud to my wife, partly to my wife, partly to God. I said, will we ever see miracles like that? Will we ever have testimonies like they have? And I said, will we ever have to sacrifice like they've had? Will we have opportunities and moments to sacrifice in our church like they have in their church? And right in that moment, I heard the stillness of the voice of God. Promise me, you will. And it was a little scary Because I was talking about sacrifice, and I felt God say, you'll have your moment. You'll have your moment to stretch. You'll have your moment to give. But will you be ready for that moment? I believe this is one of those first moments for us that are stepping into leadership in this church to have that moment of sacrifice that produces a story. This is the right thing, and I believe it's coming at the right time. We see with Cain and with Abel, we see that they sensed that it was time to bring an offering. The problem was they didn't bring the same offering. They brought similar but different offerings. Cain brought some fruit of the field. But Abel, his brother, the Bible says, brought the firstborn of his flock. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's offering was rejected. Well, what was it? What was the differentiating factor? I believe it can be found with this one word. The Bible says that it was Abel that brought the firstborn of his flock. And on top of that, the Bible says the fat portions as well. In other words, he held nothing back. Now, now if you look, Cain brought an offering. Good. But we're talking about God. He brought an offering, but Abel brought the firstborn. See, it wasn't about the type. It wasn't that. Cain brought fruit and, and, and Abel brought uh, um, uh, a lamb where God said, no, no, I just want, I want the lamb. I don't want fruit. It wasn't about the type. It was about the state of the heart. It was about the approach. It was about the character. Really, it was about the statement that they were making with this offering. And this was the distinction between the two. One brought their first. One brought their first. Brought their first best. Listen, God is worthy of the preeminent place first. God is worthy of the preeminent place in your heart. He is worthy of the preeminent place in your home, in your actions, in your words, and yes, even with your wealth. God, his desire is to be first because he's God. God first first in this church, first in our minds. And I pray that our offering, hear me, this is an important aspect of bringing an offering, our offering declares, God, that you're first. I pray it makes that statement. Not only does it make it to God and man, it makes it to yourself. Every time you give, you reprioritize yourself and you say, me less, me second, I am second, but you are first. It was the firstborn that made God first Look with regard upon this offering. Do you remember when David is going to build an altar and he wants to buy the place to to build that altar? And so he comes to the place and and he's going to buy it off this man and the man says, let me just give you. Look, you're the king. This altar's for God. Let me just just give you this this threshing floor. But David says this. He says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. He said, I'm not going to, Accept something free from you and give it to God. He said, I will not give that which costs me nothing. Why? Because God first. Myself second. My priority second. I'm going to make God the offering I give to God first. Why? Because I need to be invested. Sometimes sacrifice needs to sting. Otherwise, it's not sacrifice at all. If an offering is easy, the offering is unworthy. Cain brought an offering, but Abel said, I'm going to bring my best because God is worthy of my best because of who he is. Do you remember the time where Jesus was with his disciples in the temple, and they were watching the crowd? Jesus' crowd watched too. They were observing people, and and then in this moment, Jesus pointed out an older woman, a widow, and and she's, she's putting her last Two mites, the Bible calls them, into the offering. Now, all around her are wealthy people and Pharisees, and they're, they're throwing bags of money into the temple treasury. It almost seems like an ostentatious moment where they're letting people know how much they're giving. But here's this woman quietly, bravely, giving God her last little bit. And Jesus says that she gives out of her poverty. Out of her lack, she gives everything. And Jesus highlights her for the disciples. And he, he highlights her as an example of what real worship looks like, what real giving looks like. He, he highlights her as an example of an offering. And he says, look, everyone else, they give out of their abundance, out of their ease, out of their wealth. But her, out of her poverty, she gives her all. What kind of offering is that? It's a worthy offering. It's worthy of God. You know what's so interesting about that? As this woman's giving to God, she doesn't even know that God's just a couple feet away. And he's watching her give into that offering. Now you might say, why didn't Jesus stop her? She's already in a difficult place. She's already in dire financial straits. She already doesn't seem to have enough to give. Why didn't Jesus say, hey, hold on, let me take care of this for you. Why didn't he stop her? Because we know God doesn't need the money. God doesn't need the offering. Because see, offering is more about who God is. And more about who we are than it is about God's need. See, God didn't stop that woman because what she was doing was worthy. Holy. Righteous. What was she doing? She was worshiping God. And God is a holy God, worthy of our worship. She was worshiping God. You know what's interesting? That little offering, though financially it was small, might have been one of the greatest offerings ever given. Throughout all times, it might be one of the most impactful offerings ever given. Every Sunday, people talk about that offering. Books are written about that offering organizations created because of that offering. It has inspired countless people to go deep and give much all throughout the ages. And today, when we receive this offering, when we give into this offering, you and I, we're going to join her in giving in that same offering thousands of years later, but we're both giving into God's house And I believe God will look on our offering just like he looked on her offering with regard, with favor. Because it's a righteous thing and it's a worthy thing. And we join her in saying, God, be blessed by your people. We're going to give to God's house. She gave to the temple. This was the same temple that Ezra had rebuilt after Babylon had tore it down, burned it with fire. The people of Israel had been brought into captivity, but when they came back, the first thing they did was establish the house of God. And they built this temple in Jerusalem. What's interesting is Ezra tells us is that right at the beginning, some of the heads of the families, they gave, but, but, but notice, notice this phrase, they gave free will offerings. This phrase has been on my heart the past few weeks. It was a free will offering partly why I titled it Freedom Offering. There's just something connected between a free will offering, freedom. What I, what I love is that it lets us know their state when they were giving. They would have had every excuse. They are just coming out of captivity. They're coming into the place that was burnt, their homes torn to the ground. They could have said, we don't have enough. We got nothing to give. But instead, they said, even out of our lack, We freely give to a worthy God. What's interesting is we see here that God didn't demand an offering. More than that, Ezra didn't even demand an offering. He didn't even ask. But when they got to Jerusalem, something rose up in them. They said, it's time. It's in the course of time. This is the right season where we are going to establish the house of God in the land. Even though God didn't demand, he's still worthy of our adoration. Here's the point. I pray that your gift overflows from your gratitude to God. I pray that your giving is an overflow, a free will offering from your gratitude of how much God has already given to you, what he's done for you. I know for me, if God didn't do another thing in my life, he has already done more for me than I ever deserve. This is why Paul is saying when you give in 2 Corinthians each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let it be a free will offering. Out of the gratitude, the overflow of your heart, do you give. It starts in your heart. Each one must give as you've decided in your heart. We don't decide out of our bank account. We don't decide out of our mind. We decide out of our heart. And then he says, by the way, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Because God doesn't have the need. It's not as if God's a beggar. It's not who he is. God's saying, I'm going to set the system up that you might be blessed. But he's not going to twist your arm to make it happen. God is not the Godfather that says, look, you give to me. Then I'll protect you over here. But if you don't give, we got some problems. That's not God. God says, I want it to be out of your heart. I want it to overflow from your life. What I'm saying is, don't give under duress. Don't ever give under duress. Give because of the principle, not because of pressure. Give because of the principle that God is worthy. The principle of the tithe. That all that you have given to me, Lord, is from you. And I give back to you and acknowledge. That's the principle. Give out of the principle of the first. That God, you are preeminent. You are first. Therefore, I give first to you before I do anything else. Give out of principle, not out of pressure. Let me, let me break it down simply. When you go to give let it align with your spirit and your spouse. Let there be agreement and let there be an overflow. So let it agree with your spirit and agree with your spouse. And if your spouse has a larger number than you have, your spouse is more holy. Go with her number. <laughs> it's usually her number, at least in my household. Go with her number. If, if, if in giving you, you can't look, when you're, going to, when you're going to go give, you can't even look. Ah, it pains you. If you got to have someone else, you, you click send. You click send. If when you're going to give, when you bring your offering to the altar, you got to drag yourself to the altar, that's not the kind of gift God's looking for. And so I hope you hear today. Hear my heart. I truly believe this is an opportunity for us as a church to do something mighty, to do something holy, To do something eternal. To choose today to be like Abel and not like Cain. To do something that will resonate throughout generations. But I'm not trying to twist your arm or pressure you into something. Let it be an overflow of who you are and what God has done. Jesus said this, freely you have received, so freely give. It's an acknowledgement, God, that you gave first and so now we give to you. We don't don't give not able to look. We give gladly because he is a good God and he's given so much to us. We see not only did the people with Ezra give freely. The Bible says that the heads of the families, they came and they gave first. They represented all with them, with their offering. When When the heads of the families gave, the whole family was was to be represented in that offering, blessed, covered in that offering. There's something powerful about when you give, how you represent your family, your whole family. You represent those that have not even yet been born when you give to God. I want to put it this way. Giving to God is a generational act. This isn't a one-time thing. This is an eternal thing. And this will resonate from generation to generation, your decision, your actions, your giving, your generosity, your living principally, this will resonate to all those who come after you. This is what God promised in Deuteronomy. He says, know therefore that the Lord, your God, is God, and the faithful God who keeps his covenants and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He will keep them. He will be faithful to a thousand generations. No, Lord, you are God. You love. You are the one with covenants. You are steadfast, and you will keep your covenants to a thousand generations. In other words, when we bring our gifts, we don't just bring the item. We don't just bring our wealth. We also bring our family. We bring all those that are coming behind us. We give. We give for our children. They don't even know it yet. They can't even be a part of this thing. Yet right now, we are, it's a spiritual act. We are laying the groundwork for their blessing because of our sacrifice. And when you begin to pair that out, generation after generation, the blessings begin to compound. Why? Because he is a God that is faithful generationally. I was speaking to one of the members of our church talking about this offering. i got to say there's a lot of faith in the church for this offering right now. It's in the conversations. People are speaking about it. It's amazing. I was speaking to one of the older members of our church. She's a, a long-time member of the church, of the generation that built this physical building that I'm, I'm preaching from. And she said something amazing to me. She said, she's, she said I'm excited for this offering. My husband and I gave in the first offering when we were going to build the land. She said we were young kids at that time. And now we're going to give in this offering to pay off the land, take care of the debt. And she said, I don't know how many more opportunities we're even going to have to give like this, but we've been blessed all along the way. And so I'm excited to give again. What an incredible perspective of someone that's been faithful For a long time and now we get to worship, gather, be the church in the blessings of their faithfulness. I was speaking to a young leader that's just coming up in the church with his family. And he said, I'm so excited to give. He said, because this is really the first offering that I can give as, as like the head of my home with my family. And I'm ready to sacrifice in a great way. And he said, I've been praying about the number. My wife's been praying about the number. And, and he said, and We're, we're going to do it. And, and, and he was even hearkening back to the stories Pastor talked about this past week and, and the stories we've heard of incredible moments where men and women stepped up and pushed the church forward. And now he's saying, I'm going to step up. And, and it's beautiful to see both generations choosing to give in the circle, being unbroken. From one generation to the next, God's faithfulness. I'm thankful for my parents who started this church over 30 years ago and who have been faithful for all these years. They started it with two other couples in a tiny storefront. They launched it With $5,000 on my dad's credit card that he couldn't afford. And got the chairs all set up and began a great work that God was going to use. But not without sacrifice. From one building to the next, one building project to the next, they sacrificed. People that they counseled and preached to. Thousands upon thousands. Some that would receive the word and still be planted in the church today. Some that would be... All over the nation still serving God. And some even who would leave with a negative word to say backwards. They still were faithful. Pastoring, counseling, loving, giving of themselves. And I look at that with thankfulness. That they led the way for me and my children. Last week my father spoke about his grandfather who was a missionary in Zimbabwe, and now he is my son's grandfather, and he's been a missionary in Rhode Island. And I'm grateful to see generational sacrifice that has set up generational blessings. So I know that I'm blessed, but I'm not blessed by accident. I'm blessed because of the faithfulness and the fortitude of my father, and my mother, those that have gone before me. May my kids be blessed by the faithfulness and the fortitude of me and my wife as we go before them. This is what the house of God is. This is what it looks like to serve God, that our sons and our daughters might have generational blessing because of generational giving. And God even promises Cain, Though Cain made a mistake with his offering, he says, right now you can even change this. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He's giving an an opportunity to do the right thing. I think this right now is our opportunity to do what is right, to do what is righteous, to do what is well. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live making my decisions based on the world around me. I don't want to live from society inward, trying to measure up and, and see if my success pairs with their success. I, I, I know that the desires of the world, and even the desires of my heart, the Bible says they're contrary to us. They're against me, but He says, but you must rule over it. When we do what is right, we overcome. When you give, when you sacrifice, you overcome. And we're set free from things that are coming against us. I'm thankful that Abel brought a great offering. Though Cain, who was the firstborn, brought an offering that was unworthy. You know what's even the worst part of it? It was the first offering that was ever brought to God, ever. That was the first offering Cain brought, and it was unworthy. And it's sort of true that no matter what we do as humanity, we're not going to measure up. It's going to be unworthy. We're not talking about perfection here. But you know, the second son, whose name was Abel. He brought the offering, and that offering was worthy. I've got good news for you. This is the gospel. The gospel is that God sent a second son. And like Abel, the second son was a shepherd. Like Abel, the second son brought the best. Like Abel, the second son brought a firstborn lamb. Like Abel... The second son paid with his life. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus sacrificed, his offering was his life so that we might be accepted into God's family. Though maybe we, of course we would be unworthy. I'm thankful that God sent a second son And he did what we could not do, that we might be accepted into God's family because of his sacrifice. And now we can become righteous because of him. We can become favored because of him, accepted because of him. This is the gospel. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.